welcome to Ana Conversations with Myanmar. If you'd like to add your voice to the conversation here at Ana, please reach out to us through any of our social media platforms or you can email us directly. This conversation features Unzong Tori Hong, an Asian American digital artist and illustrator. Unzong's most recent project, Our Spring Was Endless, is an initiative through which she collaborated with Karin and Dawei poet Ted Tar. Our Spring Was Endless is a unique NFT collaboration using art and blockchain technology to support women and children in Myanmar's Karin state who have been displaced by the military junta. 100% of the primary proceeds from this fundraiser will go to emergency aid for displaced Karin women and children via the Karin Women's Organization. Here, Unzong discusses the initiative, her desire to bring the fight for Myanmar to Web3, explains how blockchain and NFT technology works, and speaks about her allyship with the people of Myanmar and wanting to honour the martyrs of the revolution. Let's start the conversation. So uh, thank you, Unzong, for joining us today on Anna Podcast. And we're really excited to talk to you about this amazing project that you're working on. You're the artist uh, behind Our Spring Was Endless. You're working on alongside Myanmar poet Ted Tar. Um, and if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself, tell us a bit about yourself before we jump into the project. Awesome. Thank you, Suzanne. Hi, everyone. My name is Nsong Tori Hong. I'm an Asian American ally to Myanmar. I met the Tar, the poet on this project, a few years ago when we worked together on an Asian American arts and research initiative. I saw the coup unfold from her perspective, and at some point, I just couldn't look away anymore. Since February 2021, I've used my art to share what's happening in Myanmar through digital illustrations that I've made and a public art recreation of a Yangon coconut strike. Um, I'm now entering the NFT sphere and hoping to bring the fight for democracy in Myanmar and sovereignty for ethnic peoples there through art and poetry alongside my friend. Through Myanmar's revolution, I've met other anti-coup activists and allies who have also become friends, and I've committed to myself to help see this through till the end. I think uh, for a lot of us, uh, you know, we don't know how long that end will be, but, um, you know, I think most of us know we're in it for the long haul, uh, just like you. There's a couple of things you've said there, and before we get near NFTs, because I already see people will be like, NFTs, what is that again? But um, you are an artist, and this project is an art-based project. Um, so it's called Our Spring Was Endless. Tell us a little bit about it and the name uh, and where that came from. Yeah, so Our Spring Was Endless is a title that was penned by Thetar. It's a collection of homes and hopes and an NFT fundraiser initiative for displaced women and children from Myanmar's current state. Our Spring Was Endless is a collection combining poetry, hand-drawn illustration, and honors Myanmar's revolution, the 2021 Spring Revolution. It seeks to illuminate the nuances of a faraway life, its fondest memories, and its darkest, oftentimes all at once. It centralizes the power of memory using words and images together. Each NFT features a single hand-drawn building. Sometimes it'll be a house. Uh, I'm also planning to include other buildings such as garment factories, temples, churches, and schools, and prisons, areas that have been resistance throughout this revolution. 
and it also includes revolutionary symbols, such as a kerosene lamp used by uh, soldiers in the Liberation Armies, or an homage to the Easter egg strike that's happened in 2021 and 2022. And I, I know, because obviously we've had a sneak peek at your website, and we've also seen uh, some of the work as you've been sharing it on Instagram. People have sent you, like, people maybe they've lost in, in the revolution, and you've honoured them in, in these illustrations, these NFTs. So I, I think I saw one, I think, um, Hain, uh, who was on our podcast previously, who we love, he sent you one of, of a friend of his who, who died in the revolution. Uh, tell us a bit about that. So... In this project, I realized that, yes, I wanted to bring the fight for Myanmar to Web3 and being an ally to the cause. I really wanted to honor what was happening, the struggles that have been happening, and the actual people who have been impacted. So like you said, Suzanne, um, some of the martyrs of the revolution, which includes Kelsen Angel, who was one of the first martyrs of the revolution, a 19-year-old woman. And then, of course, you said Haynes' friend, who every time he went to one of the peaceful protests would carry around a bright yellow megaphone and use it to pump up people's spirits and also just bring in that revolutionary energy. And I just think that as an artist and illustrator, I'm often here using my work as a, a tool to support others, whether it's illustrating someone's poem. This isn't the first poetry collaboration I've done. I've worked with a Twin Cities poet. Her name is Lisa Marie Brimmer, and um, she's a queer Black person who wrote a poem commemorating the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. And so being inspired by her words, even though I'm not a Black person, I'm not trans either, I really try my best to visualize these words, these imagery that's conveyed, the symbols and the stories of other people. Um, of course, as an illustrator and as an artist, I also draw things from my own perspective. But when I decide to use it as a tool, it's important for me that it's rooted in honesty, history, relationships and truth. So um, that's why I put out that call. Honestly, not many people have, actually no one random has responded. It's all been through um, people that I have actual relationships with that I know have had friends or, or family members that have passed. And it really was just me wanting to honor them. Um, they're all people who know about this project and have helped me throughout the process, throughout the journey, um, including Hayne, who was one of the first people that I spoke to about this fundraiser. So when you, I guess you speak to someone, like, I guess, like Hayne and, and you hear their story and then you you decide on what might work best in terms of commemorating that person, I guess, from from that conversation. You you then, I mean, it's digital drawing. I mean, I know nothing about art in terms of the digital side of things. Not that I know a lot about the other side. I like to think I do, maybe. <laughs> so explain a little bit how, like, I know things like minting and, um, you know, I know some of the key terminology of this digital world of NFTs and stuff, but I, I'm bluffing. I don't know a lot. So how does it work? What are NFTs? Are they a scam? Is it a con? It doesn't really matter for this project because it's all the money is going, 100% of it is going to help the people of Myanmar. So, but I, I would just like to figure a little bit out about how the process works, how, how an NFT exists, how, how it becomes art, where it is in the world. 
explain it to me if you can in in the really simple terms. <laughs> I will try my best. So I do think yes, there are NFTs that are scams, and then there are also NFTs and projects that are created by real people who aren't looking to scam you, right? Like there are real artists from all around the world that I've met who are creating and selling NFTs, collecting them. Um, and then there's the bigger name projects that, you know, make mainstream media that, you know, steal millions or hundreds of thousands from people and just disappear. And so, you know, as is with any indie independent initiative, especially when it comes to art, um, we're not the ones getting mainstream attention. And that's why I'm really grateful to be speaking with you all on this podcast to kind of help demystify what's going on with NFTs and also with our project. And to explain what an NFT is, Suzanne, you said it earlier to me that it stands for non-fungible token. And basically it's a type of technology that can prove ownership of a digital asset. So an NFT really is just a piece of data that says, hey, on this day and time, and it's publicly available, anyone can see this information. At this day and time, this was created or this was traded and given to someone. And so it's really revolutionary for digital artists because instead of just like going on Google and someone downloading an image, you can actually say, hey, this image was first loaded onto the blockchain using an NFT at this date and time. So if someone else has a copy of it and uploads it later, you can say, well, I was the original owner and the original person who made this. So it actually helps a lot with copyright um, and also with collecting art. It's a really great way to support artists or to support causes using this strange currency called cryptocurrency and using this strange technology called blockchain. And there are many other uses for NFTs. People are always creating new ones, but obviously the one that it's most popular for right now is to buy and sell and create digital art. And I know like, again, because blockchain was my other buzzword, I was going to try and drop in and sound like I knew what I was talking about. Um, all I had was, yeah, blockchain and minting. But tell me, I hear a lot of people say that they're really bad for the environment, um, but I would assume you're somebody who cares about the environment and just get that kind of vibe about you. So I bet you're going to demystify that one or explain that a bit to us as well. Absolutely. So it is true that there is, I mean, like with anything, with most things, there is an environmental impact. For example, people will talk about the environmental impacts of cryptocurrency and NFTs and then fail to discuss the environmental impacts of big banking, centralized banking, right? I mean, it's not that Wells Fargo doesn't use energy to run all of its systems. I mean, and also Wells Fargo is one of the hugest funders of pipelines that are going through the United States, desecrating indigenous lands and sacred sites, um, while also fracking really unsafe ways of harvesting oil. So when we're talking about environmental impact, we have to think about, you know, this doesn't exist in a vacuum. On top of that, NFTs, and, and this is kind of going into what is a blockchain. So I said earlier that NFTs are pieces of data that are created and traded on technologies called a blockchain. And so each blockchain is built differently. Some blockchains use more energy than others. Bitcoin, for example, is notorious for being extremely energy intensive. Uh, there are some blockchains such as Tezos and Polygon that use energy efficient technology to run. So 
For example, Tezos made over 64 million transactions last year. And so Tezos is a blockchain that uses both NFTs. So, you know, minting or selling an NFT counts as a transaction and also purchasing and sending Tezos, which is its native currency, is considered a transaction. So there's 64 million transactions that have been made over the last year. And in those 64 million transactions, they only use the carbon footprint of the average of 17 global citizens to do that, which for 64 million transactions, that's really quite good. And they're also from 2020 to 2021, they've decreased their energy usage by 30%. I also like to say people in the NFT community also like to say that this technology is in its baby or infant stages. And so there's a lot of room for growth. Because this technology is decentralized and open source, people are constantly providing feedback and working to improve upon it. Uh, most blockchains are working towards energy efficiency. We will be minting on the Ethereum blockchain to create our NFTs. It's on the higher end of energy usage. It's not nearly as bad as Bitcoin, but the network Ethereum is currently hard at work to transition to the energy efficient model by the end of this year. Um, it's the most widely used blockchain to collect NFTs and arguably one of the easiest to onboard people onto. So like, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I'm sure people are listening and they're like, they just switched off there for a couple of minutes. No problem if that's happened, <laughs> if, it's gone, uh, if it's gone over your head. But the bottom line is this whole project, the money raised, 100% of the proceeds are going to go to the people of Myanmar. And I believe Mutual Aid Myanmar is who the money is going to, and that money then is going to the Karen Women's Organization. Is that right? Can you tell us a little bit about both of those organizations, just so people, if they don't know, they can they can trust in where that money is going? Absolutely. So we've actually recently connected with both Mutual Aid Myanmar and Karen's Women Organization. And Karen's Women Organization, the reason why we were using Mutual Aid Myanmar as sort of the fiscal sponsor was because Krenz Women Organization is based in Thailand and doesn't have that 501c3 status. Luckily, they were able to secure a 501c3 fiscal sponsor in the U.S. outside of Mutual Aid Myanmar. And they also have an account with every.org, which is a website that allows these fiscally sponsored organizations and other 501c3s to directly receive cryptocurrency donations. And so... Mutual Aid Myanmar has been an incredible partner to work with, and they have now transitioned out of their role, and we will be working directly with Kremlin Women's Organization, which is really exciting because that means they get so much, like there's just less hands to transfer the funds, and it's just a more direct way to send them the money using cryptocurrency. So Kremlin Women Organization is a women's community-based organization that has provided emergency aid to 80,000 over 80,000 displaced Karen people in 2021. Most of the aid that they provided was food, but it also included supplies for building temporary shelters, bedding, drinking water, hygiene items, medicine, and support packs for the most vulnerable. And they've been around, uh, let's see here, since... So the Karen's Women Organization has been around since 1949, and they have a network of over 70,000 people in their organization to carefully access internally displaced people, both within Karen State in Myanmar and also along the border of Thailand. And sometimes these internally displaced people have to walk many kilometers from their hiding places to these secret distribution points to pick up food and materials. 
And I've got some quotes, if you'd like, from the Kren women organizations that were quoted directly from internally displaced people. I can share that if you'd like. Yeah, go for it. That'd be great. So this young woman who has a young Korean woman who is displaced, she said, I only ran with the clothes I was wearing. Then I was in the forest many days, only like that with some other families. A Korean woman's organization leader came and gave me a pack with some soap and some clothes and shoes and other things I needed. I was so happy when I received her help. I feel safer now and more free. Another internally displaced person said, we were in hiding for many days. Then some local leaders found us and gave us some food and materials we really needed. It made us feel so good that we were not forgotten, that we were not alone in our troubles. I don't know how long we will have to stay here. I mean, we obviously know the scale of the humanitarian crisis in Myanmar right now, and current state is, is really taking such a battering the last few months. So anything that can help the people there uh, would really go a long way. So we do encourage people to buy. Do you buy an NFT? How does it work? Ruth, have you any idea what NFTs are? Do you feel like this is no, I can, I can see the confused look. Like, it's not like you go to a gallery, you pick a painting off a wall um, and say, I like this one. How much? So how does it work? Yeah, of course. So to get away from the technological side of NFTs, basically you're buying a unique piece of digital art that combines poetry from Tatar, who is a Karen and Dewey poet who has lived through the coup and been an incredible activist and support for the revolution. Uh, so you're buying revolutionary artwork and 100% of the proceeds from the initial sale will go directly to the Karen Women's Organization. And so you don't have to know a thing. I mean, it's it's like I have a friend who says, um, you don't need to know how a computer works to use a computer, right? Like, like you just turn on a button and you go into your email and you start typing things. Um, same thing with NFTs. Like you don't have to truly understand uh, how the blockchain works or what that is. Like you just need to get the tools you need. And of course, do your own research and make sure you feel confident about where your money's going. I always like to say, this is not financial advice and everyone should always do their own research. I'm happy to be someone that people can reach out to and ask about for more questions. But yeah, all you have to do is just set up a digital wallet. So you know how we all have online banking and we can access that through an app on our phone. It's basically the same thing, but this holds your cryptocurrency. Open up a wallet that holds your crypto, buy some crypto from a marketplace because there, like I said, there's literally thousands of different types of currency. We're going to be using Ethereum. And then we're minting on, we're creating this art on async art. So that's kind of three steps. Buy the currency, send it to your digital wallet, and then buy the art from the website that we will be selling it on. And once you have steps one and two down, you'll be able to buy art from any other website that sells this NFT art using Ethereum. And we plan to put in some more resources on the website that we're building for Our Spring Was Endless. And so if anyone has any questions, there will be videos that'll help walk you through it. And we are actually planning to have an online session to help onboard people and open up their first crypto wallet. So I can't just get my visa card out on this. No, <laughs> it's never going to be that simple. Unfortunately not. There are some projects that you can do it. They'll make it that simple, but unfortunately not with this one. 
And I guess like I know from talking to a lot of people that the, the great thing about crypto, especially in the Myanmar context, is there are no like fees for transferring. Because I know people are transferring on PayPal and it's taking a percentage and they're doing Stripe and all these other things that take a huge percentage of that transaction over time, whereas crypto is very little. So once you transfer, you know, you're not really paying those huge transfer fees. So there is uh, more money goes to the people in need, I guess, in that in that situation. So for those who have crypto and know what we're talking about or what you're talking about, I can't claim to know what we're talking about. They will know. They will be very easy for them. But it's a matter of going on the website and we'll put links to it. And can more than one person buy the same piece or no? How does that work? So I will say that there are transaction fees for some cryptocurrencies. So using Ethereum, there will be it's not transaction fees, but it's fees to actually use the technology. Again, they're working towards a system where there won't be these fees. The fees will be very minimal. And then that also helps reduce the energy as well. The thing that's really incredible about crypto is that it's sent directly from person to person. So you don't have to worry about a bank holding your money, knowing about your money. I know that there was a recent law that was instated by the military that all foreign currency held in Myanmar had to be um, exchanged to the kyat. And so when you're holding a crypto wallet, no one can see what you own. And it's secure from the military government. It's secure from these banks. The other thing that's incredible is that to send the money, it takes minutes. So you're not waiting one to three business days for this transaction to be processed. And then sometimes you can get a better, you get a better exchange rate on cryptocurrency than you would through the bank. Because the bank, again, like you said, takes the cut. So there are fees to send send the cash, but... In general, cryptocurrency can be a more effective way to send money. It's a lot less, like, it's not like 2.5% of your, of the amount you're donating. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, I know it's exactly less, but there's always some transactional fees for sure, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. it is, it is quite a bit less. So if I buy one of the <laughs> NFTs, if I ever figure out how to do this, um, <laughs> And what if Ruth wants the same one I got? Can she buy it too? Or is it, no, I already got it. You can't have it. Yes. Okay. So to get back to that question, each piece will be a unique piece. And we're thinking we're going to have about 200 pieces that can be collected or bought. And what's really cool about async art, I'll tell you a little bit about them. They are an NFT platform in which you can create and collect interactive and generative art and music. And so what that means for me and Tatar as artists is that we're creating basically different assets that are being uploaded to this cloud. And the founder and CEO, his name is Conlon Rios. He describes it as quantum art. And so again, I'm getting nerdy here. If you can't tell, I'm a huge nerd. Um, So quantum art in the fact that like no one knows what they're going to purchase until they actually hit the buy button. So, you know, we're going to have different backgrounds. We're going to have different buildings and houses. Tatar has written numerous lines of poetry in both English and Burmese. Um, There's going to be a bunch of different revolutionary symbols and so on and so forth. And so all of these combinations live in this cloud. And it's not until you hit that button to mint it, to purchase it, to buy it, that you'll actually know what combination of those assets that you'll get. So every single person of those 200 editions will get something unique and different. And it's provably random. The code's open source. Those who are even nerdier than me can actually go and take a look at it to make sure that it is 
uh, working correctly. But yeah, I, that's why I'm, I'm really jazzed to be working with async. Oh, that's really cool. So like, you don't know what you're getting. I kind of like that, like surprise. I mean, sometimes like when you have to choose something, it's harder. I like that, that, you know, I don't have to choose, just press the button and it chooses for me. So is there a fixed price or how, it, I mean, because, I, or is it like a donation amount or how, how, how does it work? Yes. So there will be a fixed price. And so the price is going to be priced in Ethereum. And with Ethereum, the price changes relative to whatever currency that you use. So I use the US dollar. And so we're looking at anywhere from 0.03 to 0.05 Ethereum. I think we're leaning more on 0.03 just so that this can be a more accessible project. And so what that's looking like in terms of US dollars, let me do the the conversion. And collectors are lucky because Ethereum is actually worth less than it was last year in the past year. So uh, you're actually getting kind of a deal here. So if we go 0.03, that's about 50 US dollars per per NFT. And if we go 0.05, then that's about 85 US dollars. So that's the range. And again, it's all dependent on the market. And it's like any other currency where when measured against a different currency, it's going to be stronger or weaker on any given day. So from around $50, you can own an original piece of art, digital art with poetry from Myanmar artists with Mm -hmm. uh, revolutionary symbols from people within the revolution, illustrated, designed by you. And if they purchase it, then they have this unique thing nobody else in the world has. And they have donated all of that money to the Caring Women's Organization. Yes, exactly. So... It's all a win, you know. <laughs> we win, except we'll have to know how to do this. <laughs> I know, and that's the Ethereum, and I'm like Ethereum. I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> I know, and it's really great because I do have a couple of friends through the revolution that have worked with cryptocurrency, and so. I might try to get a team together to try to onboard more people. But Suzanne, we will absolutely get you a wallet if, if you want to participate and purchase. I have to have a Binance. Is that a thing? I tried. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You're nodding. Great. Great. See, you're, not a, you're not a noob. I've just never figured out how to use it, but I did set one up. <laughs> well, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I, exactly. I have a wallet. It exists. I will figure it out. And if I can figure it out, anyone can. So I feel determined. <laughs> So this is great. Ruth, come in here because I know you're just like, no clue. <laughs> but you've got the idea of it there. I think that's kind of. Yeah, no, I think it's been very well explained. So thank you for that. And I guess in terms of who this is going to appeal to, it's going to be just, you know, judging by my own lack of knowledge, maybe the younger generation that um, you're raising awareness for and that you're going to be reaching out to her because there'll be the people that are aware of, of the changes in technology and you don't need it explained to like me and Suzanne do. <laughs> so uh, just fantastic that it's obviously going to be reaching a generation that is maybe different to the genre that a traditional kind of way of putting together an art project and exhibition would be, you know, in a museum in in your local town where it would be the people that read the news and usually the alternative news and dig to find it to go and see those things so by using this platform to promote this and to get it out there you're going to be reaching a whole different group of people so fantastic initiative 
and thank you so much for explaining it to us. <laughs> otherwise I'm, I'm like, did I age a hundred years over now? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> so yeah, well, well done. <laughs> Thank you for suffering through all of my technological explanations. Oh, I learned. <laughs> I've learned a lot. I can talk about blockchains and minting and wallets tomorrow and buying yeah. something from. It sounds like you know what we're talking I, about. I just head back to the future or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also hoping that a large chunk of the audience, of course, I mean, we would love to bring more people, um, allies and, and folks from Myanmar to be in cryptocurrency and, and a part of the NFT community. And the reason why we're also entering the NFT community with this project is to get other folks that already have, you know, collected NFTs and open their wallets to raise awareness with them as well. So hoping for a mix. And if you two both, I don't know, either tell people or, you know, create your own wallets, then, then I think we're, we're on our way there. I'll give money to Suzanne to do that. <laughs> I'll get my head around it for sure. I think I, I have a, a rough idea and you have kind of explained it a bit better. And I think that the analogy of like, you actually don't need to know how it works just to kind of do it, which is, is just true. Um, but I, I'm going to ask this, and I, even though I want to move away from talking about NFTs and crypto because I'm confusing myself, but there's been a lot of headlines not so long ago, a few weeks back, where crypto was crashing all around us and everyone was losing everything. Is that not a thing? Is that certain cryptos? Am I am I wrong? I just saw the headlines. I'm not going to lie. I didn't read the stories. <laughs> totally. Um, some of those headlines are true. And that is also why I'm like, you know, this is not financial advice. So anyone who participates in cryptocurrency, yes, it's exciting. Yes, you can make a lot of money from it. And there's also the same opportunity to lose everything. So like something that I'm really passionate about as well is about how to keep yourself safe using cryptocurrency and purchasing NFTs. You know, you were talking about the scams earlier. You want to make sure that you research a project well and that you've been following them, that they display, you know, ways that you feel like you can trust them. And then also, you never want to invest more or buy more than what you could actually afford to lose. So a lot of times people in the NFT community, especially that support NFT artists, we like to say, just purchase something because you like the art. And in this case, purchase something because you also want to support the cause. Yeah, good advice. And I guess like for this, I mean, we're not saying go and fill your wallet with your life savings. We're saying just put a bit of money in the wallet, buy some of that Ethereum. Is it Ethereum? Ethereum? I'm forgetting already. And then just purchase the NFT. The money goes to Myanmar and that's it. Don't go putting your, your house in there. <laughs> we don't want you to get carried away. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I've talked to friends who've been purchasing cryptocurrency and NFTs for a few years. And they've seen worse things happen in, in the crypto and NFT market. I mean, we're going through a worldwide recession right now, right? So no market is doing well, really. And so, of course, NFTs and cryptocurrency would be affected by that. And we've seen, you know, things 10x, 20x, right? Like one Bitcoin now is worth I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars and people used to buy it for like three, right? So it's just like, and it's super volatile, you know, the prices will fall and then they'll rise. But again, just making sure you keep yourself safe, do your own research, don't put in more than you can lose. And yeah, 
just think about how to use this technology because for better or for worse, it seems to be getting more and more mainstream. I mean, Instagram is launching NFT features, Twitter already has, Linktree has. And so it's, you know, if you want to be a part of kind of this new wave of technology, then I feel like this project is a really, I would like to think it's a really safe entry point to do it. And of course, um, 100% of the proceeds will be going to the Korean Women's Organization directly. And that's also going to be tracked on the blockchain. That's going to be publicly available for you to see. I bought this piece of art and this is where the money goes to. So I'm not even, it's not even going to me to donate. It will go directly to them. And that's nice to know that it's kind of reassuring, isn't it? Because, you know, there's always that doubt whenever you're donating to anything, like, where is it going? How much is getting eaten up? I hear all these stories all the time. So it's lovely that, like, as you say, it doesn't even come towards you. It's not being passed through middleman. It's just blockchain from them. See, I'm using blockchain like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> See? See how I'm doing that? Uh, but it just goes straight from, from their purchase to the Korean Women's Organization. Uh, but talk to us just a little bit, just to come back into these images, because I know on the website, you know, you talked about illuminating the different kind of nuances you were saying of that kind of life in Myanmar, but also the kind of fondest and darkest moments almost at, at the same time. So is this is this coming from you kind of brainstorming with the poet is this coming from keeping up to what's happening in Myanmar where, where does it where this kind of idea or the moments that you wanted to highlight come from absolutely I think it's definitely a mixture of both collaborating with Tatar has been incredible because I really just like drew some things and I like mocked up one draft and I sent it to her and she was already creating some poetry and then when I sent it to her she was like we had a call and she was like, you know, I really love this first draft. You know, it makes me think about the homes that people are fighting for and the homes that people have had to leave. And another thing that she brought up is that grief is just, it's interwoven within the fabric of <laughs> Myanmar's history, right? Like this is not their first coup and, and this is not their first revolution. And so like, I remember reading some of her poetry from the first time from you know, the first year that we met and I, I reviewed it recently and she had already been talking about the 1988 revolution, stories from her mom. And so it was kind of wild to be like, wow, like revolutionary themes, grief and courage and hope. Like these are things that are not new to Burmese people and Burmese art. So I, I don't even know what your question was, Suzanne, but <laughs> um, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She said threads of grief. It threads both, you know, the people, the history, the culture, and of course, the art. And so I really wanted to honor that. And also, I do keep up with daily updates from one of my dear friends. She's a teenage activist who posts every day about some of the atrocities that are happening in Myanmar, as well as displays of resistance. And so just sitting with the fact that, you know, like I said earlier, like, we can't look away, like, these are things that are happening every single day not just in Myanmar, but all over the world. And so just like also wanting to to put that in the art, like it's not that I want the art to be dark and heavy, but it's also a reality that we can't run away from. We can't turn away from that. So, yeah. And tell me then, because I just have another technological question that came to me. Um, when you come back to buying this thing, does it come as like a digital download? Like, can I print it off and put it in a on my wall like is that what it is 
Yes. So it does come as a digital download. You will be able to have access to a high resolution file that uh, it's going to be a square image. So you can resize it. You can print it out. I would recommend going to a printer, a print shop, and they could print it on some nice paper for you and help you with dimensions and all that. And then you can frame it. You can put it on your wall. You can print it out as a card and, you know, a postcard and mail it to people. Like this is, that's the other really cool thing about NFTs is that you will now own the art, you know, like it's for you to distribute and and share how you want. And I believe the contract we're using is as long as it's non-commercial. So as long as you're not profiting off of it, but you know, you can print as many copies as you want. You can share it with whoever. And actually we would love that so that more of this work could get out there. Um, Thanks Suzanne for for asking that. Cause now I'm like, yeah, print out copies, mail it to your friends, please. Yeah, I just wasn't sure. Um, but yeah, it makes sense that it's a, I don't know why in my head an NFT is like a coin or something. I don't know in my head. It's like a, I don't know. When I hear minting, I'm like thinking of minting coins. I don't know. Um, but clearly it is art. It's just a regular piece of art when, when you download it. But yeah, if people print it out and they spread it, like then, yeah, it, it's sending the message and it's, uh, it's keeping the, the story alive of Myanmar. And hopefully uh, we can encourage people to do that. But I think, I think I'm motivated just for this project to finally, finally do crypto <laughs> just for this. So you, you got, me, got me in. I mean, if I can do it, I mean, anyone can do it. So I have my Binance wallet. I'm going to go back to it. Hope I wrote down a million digits one time when I set it up. That yep. they, they told me to keep it in a really safe place. I have no idea where I put it. Oh, <laughs> so let me, that's so uh, funny. Let me try and find that. And if not, I will set up a, a new one. And, a new uh, one, yeah. Yeah. I've had to set up several wallets because I, I will lose my stuff too. I'm like, oh my God. Can I share one other thing that's really cool about NFT culture? Because what you're saying kind of reminds me of something. So you're thinking about it in a really tangible sense, right? Like, can I print out the art and and like hang it up? Uh, another cool thing about NFT culture is the digital aspect. And so we're encouraging people to not just buy the art and just let it sit in your your vault, basically your digital vault. It's like, you know, post it on Twitter, write a response poem. If you're inspired by the art, you know, draw on top of it and share it, create memes. The really cool thing about the NFT community is that it's very collaborative. There's a ton of derivatives that are made from every big project. And that's what keeps the message alive. Like we want this to be a project that doesn't just sit, right? Like if if you feel compelled to write a piece in response to Thatar's words or to maybe arrange her words, like you see the whole collection and you're like, oh God, like this, 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 this order sounds beautiful. I have a friend who who does poetry who just rearranges words of poems sometimes and then creates a new poem off of that. Like we would love that. So any type of derivative art, sharing it, making sure the message lives beyond just the initial purchase, like we would highly encourage that and and be honored. Yeah, I think that I'm going to have to figure it out. And then we can like at least tweet it out or share it on Instagram and say, look, we did it. We figured it out. We, we purchased an NFT and I, I mean, maybe we'll get hooked on it. You know, maybe we'll join the <laughs> join the crew. But uh, no, it is fascinating. I don't know enough about it. And it is one of those things that... um we should we should figure out. I was doing some VR recently, you know, um, in education, and I was saying this is never going to take off. This headset is so heavy on my head. I couldn't do this for classes. And they're like, "Yeah, but look at laptops when they started first. Now everyone's got one." And I'm like, 
Oh, yeah. When you say it like that, it's kind of scary. And it's like, yeah, like this is the first VR, but maybe, you know, down the road. So I think, you know, we should kind of embrace some of this technology and move with it because, um, you know, it's here to stay. I don't see it really going anywhere. And yeah, it's a little controversial NFTs and who owns the art and what's going on. But in this case, literally all of the money is going to the people of Myanmar. So it really doesn't matter. All of the, the background noise in this case is irrelevant. We're not asking for your life savings for an investment. You're asking for a donation, really. And you're getting something really cool and unique in return. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Suzanne. I don't know if you have any other questions, but I did want to share. I did talk to Thatar and send her your questions prior to um, this interview. And I believe you asked about if you think art has an important role to play in the revolution. Yeah, we would love to hear what, what she had to say. Okay, so Thatar says, Art is a revolution because Myanmar has been built in art. It is both an expression of defiance and grief. It is a way we protest as people. It is a way we memorialize what has happened, the heroes and the martyrs. It is how we keep them alive in the hearts of the masses. Art is our link to the outside world, our battle cry, and art will help the revolution win. That's so nice. She's so good. <laughs> she has a beautiful way with words, it really. But art has been incredible in this in this whole revolution. It's been there. Like so many people we've talked on the podcast have been from this background, have been involved in art, and we're just amazed at how powerful it's been. And and I guess we're not artists ourselves, so we wouldn't have really looked at art in this kind of political way. Like, I mean, yeah, we've seen political posters in the past. Oh, Ruth, you're a history teacher. You're probably far more familiar with the power of it than me, but uh, it has been pretty incredible to see it in Myanmar and the impact it's having. Absolutely. I got my start as an indie artist, as an adult, doing social justice and activist art and working with a mentor who basically made his career off of that. And so I know it's possible. Um, and I've met people from all over the world who do that, including Myanmar. So really happy to be a part of that thread of revolutionaries, of artists that think about art beyond just like this institution. Again, another reason why I love the NFT space, because as Ruth, you mentioned earlier, um, you don't need like a traditional gallery space to to create and display your work. Uh, it, it is decentralized and the power is in our hands. You know, like I, I can create art and sell it. I don't have to go through a third party. I don't have to have an agent. I don't have to like go to a gallery and ask to display my work. You know, I can actually make my own virtual gallery and just show it off. So it's really fun to be kind of in this niche of art and, and culture and technology while also putting a revolutionary spin to it because so often NFTs will profit off of the aesthetic of a revolution without, you know, like it's really cool for walls to be spray painted and for people, you know, to say like inflammatory things about money or, or government or whatever. But this is actually revolutionary art. Like this is funding people that are impacted by military dictatorship that are fighting to live and preserve their culture and their lives and, and their country and creating art with a revolutionary. So <laughs> I, yeah. And if it's okay, I would love to share some of her poetry that'll be featured in the collection. I don't know if you've got any other questions, but I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> I have one other. I'm back to a technical question, but this is an art, <laughs> this is an art technical question. Like, okay. 
you don't have pencils and paintbrushes and, and stuff. Are you with like an Apple pen and an iPad? How do, how, what is it? Well, I'm trying to like, cause I, I'm now using those to mark student assignments and I'm really impressed with myself now. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. I've got an Apple pen and an iPad, not paid for by me, by my work. Just so I'm not out there buying <laughs> extravagant things in these times. Okay. <laughs> is that what it is? Is that how you create the art? Yes. So I am creating using an iPad and an Apple pencil on the application called Procreate. And so Suzanne, if you want to download it, I think it's only 12 USD and and you get it for life. Um, It's a really powerful tool and so many digital artists use it. I know that the actual equipment isn't the cheapest. An iPad and an iPencil are not not easy purchases, but um, the application is, is really affordable. Good to know. Maybe I'll be an NFT artist this time next year, sitting with my million, <laughs> laughing at everyone. Ha ha, I scammed you all. <laughs> <laughs> take my money, Suzanne. If you launch a project, take my money. <laughs> Listen back. This is the moment where it all happened. <laughs> but, um, to come back to the artwork, I know you have Ted Tart's poetry um, that's featuring in this. And we were saying it would be lovely to end on, on her words. Uh, uh, maybe you can share a bit of that with us. So here are some of the poems that will be featured in in the collection. Our spring was endless. This country was not yours to steal. Thank you for hearing us even when we were silent. Please don't let your heart grow cold. What happened to the children with open faces? Who twisted their hearts into iron? Why did you let them hold guns with shaking hands? Who are you protecting when you use the language of our killers? If only you can know the kind of love of the people of Myanmar, the urgency to protect, the desperation to save, if only you could have a taste of that love. When I go outside, I want to feel free, not brave. Every corner of our city streets is a gravesite, a memorial. Our fallen stars take ferries to a place we cannot reach, and our love is grief with no destination to go. Your soft hands coiled around a sign that said, it's so bad, even the introverts are here. Your calloused hands coiled around the end of a rifle. Mother, how did you hold all this grief in your throat? I have done this once before. You resemble the beginning of the new golden wave. Be at ease and leave me behind. If fate still lingers, we will meet again. Though the road may be long, we will find the light at the end of the road together. We will come back to fight when diplomacy fails and war begins. We can come back anytime. Just let us know. And if you face all this death, violence, and indifference and refuse to surrender, then you know something of the courage of Myanmar. I wish the young could grow old. I see you in my grief, and if that's the case, that is where I choose to stay. If I can, I hope to be born again as someone from Myanmar. Thank you for listening to Arnar Podcast. You can follow us on all major social media platforms. It's at Arnar Podcast, spelled A-H-N-A-H. Please like, follow and subscribe. Myanmar remains in our hearts and thoughts. We have not forgotten you. Let's keep the conversation going.